0: Last week, I was getting antsy. I was impatient for Christmas to be over. I was impatient for Christmas to be over and for all the decorations to be put away. Now, it's not like I didn't enjoy the celebrations. Um, We had a wonderful Christmas here at St. Andrew's. My family had a wonderful Christmas at home. All the presents, the goodies, the visits of relatives, We watched movies, we played board games, Christmas was wonderful. But at a certain point, I was finished with the holidays, and I wanted my whole family back into our regular routine. And so I was delighted to come home last Sunday afternoon and see Amy taking those decorations off the Christmas tree and gently putting them back in the boxes. I grabbed the pruning shears and delimbed that tree with relish. I mean, we weren't going to drag that shedding tree right through our home. Amy, more solemn and possibly reverent, ushered those limbs outside. So did you enjoy your Christmas? Were you happy? to get back to business as usual? Well, it's interesting to consider that desire to get back into a regular routine, to go back to business as usual. I mean, if Christmas is that world-changing event that we have proclaimed, that I've proclaimed, that we proclaim proclaimed from Scripture, that you've proclaimed through the hymns, if it's that world-changing event the reminder of how God has become one of us, it would seem that business as usual isn't an option. Today we begin a journey through the Gospel of Mark. According to one authority, the Gospel of Mark is attributed to Mark the Evangelist, an associate of Paul and disciple of Peter. It is the shortest and earliest of the four Gospels, presumably written during the decade preceding the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 CE. Now, most scholars agree that it was used by Matthew and Luke in composing their Gospel accounts. More than 90% of the content of Mark's Gospel appears in Matthew's and more than 50% in the Gospel of Luke. And although the text lacks literary polish, It is simple and direct. Um, It's the go-to gospel, I think, for me, if I want to show anyone um, what is written in these books. Now that it's simple and direct, well, you probably noticed that when Amy was reading. In the short span of 20 verses the book is introduced, we encounter the ministry of John the Baptist, Jesus is baptized and tempted. Jesus announces his ministry and calls his first disciples. All in 20 verses. The key to today's passage and maybe the entire book is found at verse 15. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus announces a new state of affairs breaking into the present. A new kingdom has been unveiled. A new reign is being revealed. It's a kingdom unlike those of Greece and Rome that the people have experienced. It's a kingdom unlike those of Washington and Beijing that have yet to come. The kingdom of God is less concerned about empires and edifices and more concerned about individuals embracing God's rule. As if to demonstrate the validity and authority of this new kingdom, Jesus invites two sets of brothers to join him. And as soon as he utters the word, they leave their nets and follow him. At the outset of Mark, Jesus announces a turning point in history that comes with his presence. And while this may sound foreign, I think that most of us have experienced something of this kingdom. I mean, you've encountered God's reign in an answered prayer or in a miracle, in a call to faith or in the discovery of a vocation, in a divine encouragement or a divine rebuke. I mean, I remember downstairs, uh, one, of, one of our dinner churches, one of the participants was telling us, a group of us, about how he was struggling in a relationship with his wife, and he just heard a voice saying to him, Shut up! He needed to learn to listen. Many of us have experienced this kingdom. But what does it mean for us that this reign has begun. How does it affect our living? Well, in Jesus' announcement, the indicative claim that the kingdom is here, that God is graciously at work, leads to the imperative, repent and believe. That is, in response to what God has done and is doing, we are called to repent and believe. Repentance. We often associate repentance with feeling bad and saying we're sorry. Earlier in the passage, we are told that the people were confessing their sins in response to John's message. Now, that's part of repentance. But the deeper aspect of repentance that I think is most important is about our orientation to life. Repentance means a change of mind. That leads to a change of behavior. In repentance, a person's intellectual and spiritual horizons are radically reshaped so that there is a change of heart and behavior. The arrival of God's kingdom demands a reorientation of our being, of our living. And it also commands belief. Now, when we say we believe in something, we are often acknowledging its feasibility or validity or existence. I mean, someone might say, I believe in ghosts. But while faith does include intellectual assent, it means more than that. Belief in a Christian context is dependence and reliance Belief is loyalty and trust. Belief is more akin to the confidence that you have in your daughter or your neighbor, the one who checked in on you when you were ill. Belief is more akin to that confidence, reliance, and trust that you have in that individual than your interesting theories about UFOs. That's what belief is about. Jesus tells us that the arrival of God's kingdom demands repentance, a reorientation, and commands belief, loyalty, trust. In today's passage, Jesus tells us that a new era has begun. This means that after Christmas, well, there is really... No business as usual. Rather than falling back into those old routines that deaden our senses, like binging on trashy TV, we are invited into life-giving habits, like caring for our neighbors. And I know, like, if you're in my space in life where you're raising kids, you may be grandparents taking care of kids, you're thinking, life-giving habits... I don't have time for any new habits. And then you look at your phone that gives you that weekly um, summary of, of time you spent browsing news or playing games. And you realize, did I spend all that time doing that? We are invited into new life-giving habits. Why? We are following Jesus. Rather than sharing what's left over of our finances or our energies, and there doesn't seem to be much of either left come January, we are giving God the authority to alter calendars and budgets to change our priorities. I mean, I had a conversation the other day with a Muslim They pray five times a day, all right? They work the same lives that we work. They live the same lives that we live, and they pray five times a day. They make it work because why? It's a priority. We could do something different if it became a priority in our lives. And someone has called us to new priorities. We are following Jesus. When Simon and Andrew, James and John, heard Jesus' voice, what happened? Did you notice that in the passage? They left their nets and followed him. They were following Jesus. This is something that I think takes a while to digest. Maybe a lifetime. I mean, It seems so simple for those disciples to hear that voice and to abandon everything the other um, The other day I was making a 10-year plan. I was reading something in the paper and they said don't Don't make a resolution for one year. It's 2020 think 10 years. And I thought that's a great idea Okay, 10 years. How old will I be? How old will my kids be? You know what? What would I like to accomplish in that time period? And so I did what is probably the normal thing. Thought about things like career. Thought about things like travel. Thought about our housing. Thought about the amount of critters we have running around the home. Thought about all these things. And then at the end, I thought, and what does God want for me in the next ten years? Will 2020 be back to business as usual? I mean, it could be. It could be just another year where you look back and you did all the same sort of things that you've been doing. Comes and goes, you set out the decorations, and then you pack them up and put them away. But could it be that Jesus is calling you to something different? This year, something new outside the box, something that you may not be prepared for, something that you may be scared of, not think you're capable of doing. Will 2020 be business as usual? Well, for those who are listening The kingdom of God has come near. The time has come. And by God's grace, we are entering into a new era. Thanks be to God. Amen.